Uh, If you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to find Jeremiah chapter 29. Some of you guys already are like, I can guess which verse. And some of you don't know that, and that's completely fine. Don't worry. All right, we are a couple weeks away from Easter, and I am excited. It is one of the biggest, most important seasons, uh, as far as seasons that we kind of look back on and remember as Christians. It's also a time of year where we can, I think, naturally have a greater impact on the world around us. And and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit more at the end here. Um, But I want to look at an idea today that I think is massively important to the majority of the world. Like, whether you are Christian or not, I think that what we're looking at today matters. Like, whether they're religious or not, I think that this matters. And that is the idea of purpose. All right, purpose. Why do I wake up every day? Is there some greater purpose for my life? Is it more than just working a job, uh, saving up for retirement, and then trying to enjoy the last 10 years of my life? You saw a stat this week that shows countries around the world and the retirement age and then the average life expectancy and, you know, which countries actually enjoy the most time in retirement. Uh, And it's crazy. America is not on the good end of that, by the way. We are usually sitting around number 10. But uh, anyways, um, and, and, you know, is there more than just that? Like, what is my purpose? Is there a greater purpose that I should be living for? And I think for so many people, some form of this question is actually even what brings them through the doors of a church. Is there like, I I feel like there should be more to life than what there is, but I don't know what it is. And I've maybe heard that churches have an idea, so let's go check that out. And and that brings a lot of people through the doors. And and I think that this is important for us to understand. All right, and then after this, I want to challenge us to think that especially, again, over the next few weeks, that I think we have some action that we should be taking. So uh, if you are willing, if you are able, would you stand to your feet with me uh, as we just read our passage this morning? All right. So this is Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. This is a fairly uh, famous verse here. We're just going to read the one verse right now. So this says this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Jesus, we pray right now that as we, as we look into this, God, that today new things would be realized, that new light would come to, our, to come to our mind. God, that there would be action that would go with that, that it would be something that, uh, that really just it, it touches us to our core, but then it truly changes us, God, and it changes what our life looks like and, and how we live and what we live for. Jesus, we ask that in your name. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. The idea of having a greater purpose, uh, it really isn't anything new. I almost feel like it is borderline embedded in us as humans. Um, I I think that we want to make a difference. We want to matter. We want to have a purpose in our lives. All right, and and there was a study that was recently done. I was uh, reading about the study um, in in an online article from Harvard Health. Uh, The study's findings were actually originally posted, and I went to that, in the Journal of American Medical Association. And this study was looking at the relationship between someone feeling like they have purpose in life and how that impacted their health. All right, Uh, and they looked at just under 7,000 adults who were over the age of 50, 
And, and the results showed a, that a stronger sense of purpose in life was actually associated with a decreased mortality. That for people that had more of a purpose in life, that their life was going to be longer. All right, and so this sounds a little wild, like, ah, I feel like we could make a study say anything. You know, now this is a very hard thing to study because are you talking causation, correlation, all these factors? But I will say this, there have been multiple different studies trying to approach the same thing. All of them all kind of pointing to the same area uh, that basically that there is some correlation, you know, at, at, at the least that you can say in this. All right, the people in this study defined having purpose as basically having family and relationships, uh, having a community that you are part of, helping others, learning new skills in life, and taking part in like hobbies and leisure activities. This is how they defined purpose. Uh, some of the thoughts as to, you know, why, uh, why would this make a difference if you have purpose? Uh, they were saying, you know, you're probably more likely to protect your health. You, when you have a, something to live for, you're, you're most likely to eat healthier. And you're probably going to protect your sleep schedule. You're going to exercise more. You're going to have a reduced stress. And all of these things, when someone uh, has something to be living for, like they want to keep living. All right, I know that we've seen things on the inverse too. When you talk about people who uh, maybe are kind of reaching towards the end of their life and they're going into more of like uh, the care at the end of their life and there can be a moment where you can just see that like their will to continue to live diminishes and the rate of their health deteriorating is rapid. Okay, so even though we maybe can't perfectly look at a study and say this is there, uh, I, I think we all know that underneath there's some type of a correlation in all of this. It makes sense. All right, so this is, this is a human thing in general, I believe. Now, when it comes to Christians, uh, I don't think that we have to be convinced that we have a purpose. All right, I think that's something that we're pretty readily able to accept. We just believe, okay, yeah, we have a purpose in life. All right, as Christians, we, we almost, it goes without saying. Usually the verse we read at, at the beginning today, uh, it, it gives some direction of where we're going. You know, the verse we read at the beginning. And, and this does, uh, but I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of setting this up. That verse is actually not very great for what we're talking about. Okay? Uh, and I'm sorry if that verse is hanging on your wall in your house in some cool font or on a piece of wood or something like that. It is a great verse, okay? All, all of the Bible is, is great. Um, but I think that this verse uh, is too often taken out of context and used to say something then that maybe it doesn't completely mean, okay? So that verse, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. I think too often the mental image that we get from a verse like this is that there is like one plan that God has for us. All right, and I've kind of demonstrated it before uh, like this, okay? Pastor Aaron went and got me this nice rope. Let's put a little, uh, oh, I like it. There's even some curves in it. I think that represents life pretty well. Got a big knot towards the end there. A few loops at the beginning here. And I think too often what we think of is that there is like, God has made this one plan for your life and for my life. And our job 
is to figure out what that golden plan is. And then when we figure it out, we have to get on that golden plan and we have to perfectly walk that out, making sure to never step off of God's plan. Right? Because if we step off of God's plan, one way we just start dealing drugs or something. Like that, that's how our mind goes. We're like, if I'm not on this perfect plan, everything is going to fall apart. And I, I, I think that I just don't think that that's, that's what God has for us in this type of a way. I think that when we think like this, that there's this perfect plan, and, and my job is to figure it out, it puts a lot of stress on us. Maybe you felt that stress before. Because we're just like, this has got to be perfect. i got to make sure I, I, I do everything I'm supposed to. So we feel all this pressure building on us, that I have, to, I have to discern what is this one plan that God has for me. And I, and I better figure it out quickly and get on that plan, and I better not get off of it. Now, when we think this way, every single time that a big decision in life comes our way, we stress out like crazy. Because we see it as like this fork in the road. We're like, okay, I'm on, I'm on this plan. Okay, now there's this fork. There's these two decisions. I, I got to make one of these decisions. And one of them, that golden rope is following. And the other one, it's not. So I better make sure that I figure out exactly which one of these plans is exactly what I need to do. I think teenagers have this happen uh, a ton when they go to graduate. Right? Like we give them 18 years of not making any decisions in life. And we're like, oh, hey, by the way, make the biggest decision of your life and do it now. And, and there's just all this pressure. And I think especially for me, like growing up as a Christian, I felt that. What am I going to do with my life? So then people start thinking that if that's the case, like where I need to make the right choice to follow God, then I really need to pray about this a lot and I need to make sure this happens. And sometimes we even start to think that like quite a bit of trouble comes our way when we aren't on this perfect plan. And maybe we even start to think that if there is trouble, maybe that's signs that I have walked away. But the reality is like, okay, let's stop and think about that for a moment. Okay, let's put the Apostle Paul into those shoes. That dude had trouble everywhere he went. Okay, and I think that most of the time he was, he was living out what God had for him. Okay, if Paul would have chosen the path of least resistance, we would not have the New Testament. Like, so I, I don't think that we can just say, okay, maybe because of all these troubles, I've, I've stepped off of this path. But I think we have this fear that my life is going to fall apart if I don't make the right choices. And I think this whole idea seems to be rooted in and is flawed from, from the beginning. Just like this, this, this bad idea of what our purpose in life is and, and, and the role that God plays in that purpose. I think in this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, and I think there's other verses that carry a similar sentiment when we pull them out and we just look at them by themselves. We have to remember, they were written to someone, specifically. 
in Jeremiah, like when we look at everything around it and we look at its context, this is totally different. Okay, I'm going to read this in context and I want you to, des- to decide if this is describing your life. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. I don't even know where that is. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. And I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. My fortunes need some restoring. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home and again to your own land. When you read this in context, I think for most people, we would be less likely to jump right into this idea of this perfect little plan that God has for us. All right, and, and I never see all of these verses hanging on someone's wall. It's usually just one. Now again, okay, I'm, I'm harping on that. Please don't go home and take it off your wall if it's there today. Okay, this, this, it's a beautiful verse, and I think that there is truth that is in it. I think that the general idea of it, we can, we can cling to that, but we need to remember that it was written to someone, and that someone was not you. It was not me. It was not written specifically to us. It was written to someone. Now, we still, all scripture is useful for teaching, and we can pull out of that. We can see God's character, that God's character is one that he would provide for us, that God's character is one that he does have plans for us. But let's just be careful on what we're doing with that. So what does this mean? Why, why does this matter in regards to our purpose in life? Well, well, I would argue that instead of God having one specific purpose that has been fleshed out down to every decision and detail that you are supposed to make, that God has some very large purposes on our lives. And that the details of how that is accomplished, it sometimes can be done in various ways. All right? So the question is, is God's purpose for your life specific or generic? Let's look at another scripture, okay? A psalm that uses the same Hebrew word that we see in Jeremiah 29, 11, all right? About that, that is talking about the plans that God has for our life. Okay, so Psalm 33, it says this, But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Now, when you look at this verse, the, the word that's translated to plans in the first part, that is not the same Hebrew word. But the one in the second line that says purposes, it is. Okay, now when you read that, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Does that sound like one very specific detailed plan? Or does that sound like something that would, that would branch through generations, that there is a, a big plan that's there? Right, now I'm not trying to make the case that that is the, the only thing. Okay? Uh, that, that's not why I'm using this singular verse here. Okay, so the, the question again Back to our question, is God's purpose for your life specific or generic? All right, you want to know what the answer is? Yes. I had a science teacher in high school that used to always, if you ever asked him an or question, he'd always answer yes. It made me so mad. So I'm so glad that I can do that to you today. The answer is yes. I think there are times where there is a specific thing that God may be leading you to in a season but I think there can be generalized things. I think it's both. And I want to take the rest of our time outlining what that looks like for us. The, the, 
There's a generic plan for all of creation, and generic sounds boring and uninspired, and that's, that's not what I mean. It means general, pertaining to, to everybody. Okay, two months ago, we were going through a series that we called To and Through, and in that, I spent some time laying out what the kingdom of God is. The short of it is this. I'm going to try and explain it quickly. The kingdom of God is what Jesus' ministry focused on. It is what he passed on to us as his followers. The kingdom of God is about how God is establishing his rule and his reign again on creation through Jesus. What God had originally intended, his ideal relationship with mankind, was starting to happen again. And that is that we can go directly to him. Remember when Jesus died, the veil to the Holy of Holies was torn in two, symbolizing that we can go directly to God. You don't have to come up to a prayer team member to talk to God. That's about having someone stand next to you, link arms with you, and pray with you. You can go to God directly. And that is something that Jesus brought for us. And again, when he returns, will bring into its fullest place. We have started this process. It is not completed yet. Where nothing would separate us from him in this fullest state. There, sin would be no more. Death would be no more. Disease would be no more. Now, Jesus' ministry had two parts when it came to the kingdom of God. All right, and this is what we talked about in that series. It was proclaiming it and implementing it. He was telling people about it, and then he was showing them what it looked like. All right? And, and that, that is Jesus' ministry Jesus was proclaiming it, walking around, telling people about this. This is the kingdom of God is like, and he would talk about it. The Sermon on the Mount, he, he, has, he has this whole sermon that is this high expectations, lofty things that sound impossible, and it's, that, that is him explaining that the kingdom of God looks like this. It's this upside down, backwards way of living. And then he was implementing it. He went around and he healed people. He forgave their sins. He made them right with God. He rebuked death and disease. He was showing what it would someday look like. So here's the thing. This is still our job today. And I would argue that this is the main purpose of our lives. To implement and proclaim the kingdom of God. And I believe this actually goes further back than just uh, what Jesus came to do and what he did. All right, if we go back to the beginning of the story, the story of humanity, I see this present there as well. In Genesis 1, God creates mankind. In Genesis 2, he places man in the garden to tend to it, to watch over it and care for it. And this is what I would refer to as, uh, I've heard people say, the Eden ideal. Okay, the Garden of Eden, and that this was the ideal that God wanted, the Eden ideal. And in a sense, when Jesus was implementing the kingdom of God, he was bringing people back to the Eden ideal in that moment. And when we do our best to implement the kingdom of God today, when we rescue people from trafficking, when we bring water to villages that don't have clean water, when we build housing for people that don't have housing, when we do those types of things, we are trying to, in a way, implement the Eden ideal. We're trying to bring things back to the way that it should have been, that God wanted it. And then if you read the end of the story in Revelation and what creation will look like, it looks a whole lot like the Garden of Eden. So this purpose has been in place since day one of mankind, literally. This was our purpose. This was the only purpose 
It had to do with the garden and just tending, watching, taking care of creation. It was a sweet and easy life. But then we rebelled and sin entered the world. The relationship with God was severed and it couldn't look the same. Much of creation didn't have a relationship with God and therefore could not accomplish the main purpose. So this started a secondary purpose for us and that was introducing creation to their creator. That is proclaiming it, reestablishing the relationship that was meant to be there. And those are the two purposes, the Eden ideal and pointing people to their creator. It's implementing the kingdom of God and proclaiming the kingdom of God. This is the covenant with Abraham was meant to accomplish some of these same things. However you want to describe them, these two purposes, I believe, are are the main two purposes for us today. It doesn't matter who you are, how long you've been a Christian, what denominational background you come from. These two purposes are what it's about. Now, if you ask the average non-churchgoer what it means to be a Christian, at the top of their answers would probably be to attend church on the weekend. That's what it means to be a Christian. The crazy thing is that, honestly, neither of these two purposes are really accomplished here. Now, one of them has started to become that way. We'll talk about that at the end here. But these purposes are what we do the other six days of the week, or really we could say all of the week. But when we boil down following Jesus to going to church, we miss out on what he has for us. Church is about followers of Jesus gathering, encouraging each other in our mission, refocusing, lifting up one voice to worship God, becoming better equipped so that we can proclaim and implement the kingdom of God. It is a good thing. Church is a good thing. It is a necessary thing. It is an often neglected thing. But it is not our purpose. Our purpose is not this. But there is a way that the calling can be specific as well. All right. So we have this this generic idea of what we're supposed to do in life. And what's so beautiful about the generic side of this is it can be done in so many different ways. Instead of you trying to sit there and wish you were like the person next to you and you had their gifts and their talents because of what they're doing and how they're able to accomplish this, you can say, God, you, gave, you made me the way I am. You gave me the gifts, the abilities, the passions that I have. And I can actually accomplish the purposes that you have for my life by being the person that you made me to be. And it's this, this beautiful thing of embracing who God made us to be. We can work different jobs, we can live different lives and, and have different passions and we can still accomplish those purposes. But the calling can be specific. I think that in different seasons, may, God may want to use you or me in a specific way to accomplish some of those purposes. All right, he may lead you or speak to you or simply nudge you, whatever that looks like in your life in a direction of how he wants to use you. And in those moments, we can respond and try to follow him the best that we can. And that might mean a certain profession. Maybe you feel like God led you to the job that you work. I know that's how I feel about what I do. I think that God wanted to use me in a specific way. But that doesn't mean that I am defined by this one role. And that right there is is an incredibly hard thing for many pastors. 
being defined by what we do. And it's, it's hard for all of us to not have our identity wrapped up in what you do. And then all of a sudden that changes and you're like, well, who am I anymore? I used to do this, now I don't do that anymore. What good am I to the world? That sounds pretty bleak when I phrase it that way, but honestly, some of us have gone there in our minds. You know, but God can continue to accomplish his purpose through many different ways. It might mean living in a certain place or pursuing certain education, entering into certain relationships. Like, God can give specific callings in certain seasons. All right, God can lead us in specific ways for specific seasons to accomplish specific goals. But, and understand this but, if we miss that moment, right? Like maybe God's trying to lead us to something specific and we miss it. If we miss that moment, he will either get us there or find another way to accomplish that goal. I don't believe that, you know, if we are honestly doing our best to follow God and to worship him, that just because we maybe miss a specific thing that he puts on our heart, that all of a sudden everything's going to fall apart. That just doesn't seem to align with God's character. So all these little things that we stress out over, these decisions that maybe they are big decisions in our life that have a big lead us this way or that. I don't think we're meant to stress over those in that same type of way. I think we're always meant to pursue God, to bring those to him, to ask him if he maybe does have a certain way because the reality is God can use us in both of those, but there might be one of them that is easier for him to use you. And he may want you to go that way, And you may choose the other way. And God can say, hey, I can still use you. Hopefully he doesn't go the route of Jonah where he's like, I'm going to get you back to that path. (laughs) All right? If you're following the path of Jonah, something's gone wrong. Or maybe he'll say, okay, that's all right. I have someone else that I'll move in that direction. Deborah, one of the judges in the Old Testament. Other people were refusing to step into leadership. And God's like, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use the person that no one else around us would expect. Because culturally speaking, you shouldn't even be a leader. You know, at that time in their culture, 100%, Deborah should not be leading them. And God's like, I'm going to show them that when they refuse, I can use anybody to accomplish this purpose. What I want to get across is this. I don't see in scripture that God leaves someone because in the midst of them earnestly trying to follow him, they missed an opportunity that they had for them. All right, I don't see God walking away from us. Like I said earlier, I I grew up in church and I think I I fully realized, um, I don't think I fully realized that my beliefs were in this way. I think I thought that my job was trying to figure out what that perfect path was and getting on it and staying on it. And I had several crossroad moments in my life and in each of those I was seeking after God with everything that I had. And I do feel like each one of those times that God led me to a certain decision. I don't think that's because he needed to. I think he was enabling is a strong word, but he was meeting me where I was. All right? And I became reliant on him guiding every one of my decisions. All right? Like, it wasn't quite to the point where it's like, God, which breakfast cereal? do I need to eat today to live 
this life according to your will. You know, I wasn't quite to that spot, but I, I really relied on God. And it stemmed from a, a noble motive of wanting to follow him, but it left me in a place where I was crippled and unable to make any type of decision that had any type of major decision in my life. All right? And, and it just was, it left me in a place where I couldn't really be used by him in the, in the way that I think I needed to be. And, and praying and seeking God, like I said, is important. It's not bad. Please don't take that out of this. But it's hard to follow the Holy Spirit when you've boxed him into a specific way of moving. Just because God spoke to me one way one time, or maybe even five times. It's dangerous when I say that that's how God speaks to me and how he has to. I want to be open to all sorts of different ways. A couple years into our first youth pastorate, uh, Emily and I uh, had been approached by another church asking if we would consider coming and working with them. And we loved where we were. We didn't really feel like our ministry there was done. But there were difficulties and there's things that we were praying for and this other opportunity actually kind of filled those and answered many of those prayers. Well, I started asking God what the right choice was. And you can see even in that way I phrased that question right there, if there's a right choice, there's a wrong choice. And I was praying and praying um, and just seeking after God with everything that I had. And, and we ask God, can you do this if you want us to go this way? Or do that if you want us to go that way? And, and nothing was happening. And the church contacted us again asking if we had an answer. And I, and I didn't. And I said, I, I don't know yet. And this was several weeks. And really, it, it ended up being about a month where we were just praying and praying and praying. And I wasn't hearing God like I felt like I normally did. And I didn't know what to do. And this was a massive decision. And finally, in a moment that I can only assume maybe is similar to Elijah on the mountainside in a still, small, quiet voice speaking, I felt this impression on me that was, it doesn't matter. I'm with you. I'm with you there. I'm with you here. There are people that need to hear about me there. There are people that need to hear about me here. It does not matter. I'm going to use you. And it was this, I was walking out of this place of feeling so incredibly alone because I, I felt like I wasn't hearing from God. And this moment of just kind of crying out, God, where are you? And instead stepping into one of the most spiritually freeing and encouraging moments of my life where I no longer felt this weight that God was going to walk away from me because I maybe made the wrong decision about my future. Because maybe there actually isn't a wrong decision. Maybe God is creative and big enough that he can use me despite my decisions. And a close pastoral friend of mine helped me kind of walk through this and, and realize that God is more concerned about if I'm moving closer to him and moving in the right direction than the individual path that I was taking. Now, maybe that sounds kind of weird and universalist. I don't mean it in that way at all. 
Um, I, I think as long as I'm moving towards God, towards Jesus, towards his truth, towards the general purpose for my life, there are so many different ways that I can get there and that God can use me. So my hope for today is this. I hope that you can feel some freedom in how God uses you. I hope that if you have felt a burden before about the direction of your life or the job you choose or career path you follow, that you would come to a place where you just continue to pursue Jesus above all else. Don't be overly anxious about the specific call or specific purpose. Just keep chasing after the big purposes we have and God will keep leading you. Because I think that we need to spend less time worrying about our specific call and more time doing what God has already asked us to do. If I think about how much time I've wasted in my life trying to discern individual little small details, and God's like, I already have a purpose for you that I would want you to continue to pursue. We need to proclaim the kingdom of God. We need to introduce people to God. And we need to implement the kingdom of God. We need to tend to the garden. We need to pursue the Eden ideal. However it is that you want to phrase that, God has these purposes for us. This is the purpose of humanity. It's why he chose to partner with us. Because of these purposes. Because the God I serve is so ingenious and so creative that he can use almost any career or job or season that you find yourself in. All right, let's stand as we just kind of bring this to an end here. Now, I do have one specific way for us to respond over the next couple weeks here. When it comes to the two general purposes proclaiming and implementing the kingdom of God, I'd said that neither of those really happen in the church. Well, if you look at the early church, if you look at scripturally speaking, that really was not the purpose of the church. All right, now over time, most of us can realize that our church today does not really look like what their church back then looked like. And I don't think that that's necessarily a completely bad thing either. All right, the the world doesn't look like what it used to. I think there are times where we can say, I don't know, maybe we've gone a little too far off from the purposes, or maybe we can just say, all right, are we still pursuing the purposes that God has given us? And and so one of the, the changes that I've seen in the modern church is that the church has began to take on another role, and that would be proclaiming the kingdom of God, introducing and reintroducing people to God. The church has kind of taken on an evangelistic role. And I, I personally, I think this is sort of a chicken or the egg thing. I don't know what happened first. I don't know if Christians stopped being evangelistic, so then the church started to, or if the church started to, so Christians stopped. But somewhere along there, that has seemed to happen. Where instead of us as individual believers carrying the role of introducing people to God, it has seemed to shift to an organizational level. And I think there's absolutely some unhealthiness in that. Things that probably need to be addressed. Now, I don't necessarily think that means that it should come off of the church, but I do think that as individuals, we need to pick up a bigger role in that. All right, so I'm not going to argue with the way that the modern church kind of has has landed in this, but I think regardless of why the church does it, that is what our society expects. 
And therefore, our society seeks out God usually by going to church instead of by going to a Christian. And maybe it's because we do a poor job of having relationships with people that aren't Christians. I don't know. Anyways, we are going into a time of the year where more people are likely to walk through the doors of a church than really any other time of the year. Easter season, you see people walk through the doors of church. Something about Easter and Christmas. I think, for the most part, people remember that there is a Christian foundation to these. And they want to be part of that. And so maybe they kind of are the, uh, we affectionately call them Christers. Christmas and Easter. All right? It's the people that only go to church on Christmas and Easter. They are called Christers. Maybe you are now realizing right now that you are a little bit of a Christer. I don't know. It doesn't sound like a nice name, though. We need to come up with a better one. But that being said, this time of year, people are more likely to go to church than any other time. And that means that we have an opportunity this time of year to potentially introduce people to God that normally on any other given time of the year wouldn't do that. So on every seat in the room, we have one of these. Okay? You maybe moved it to the side. Maybe you... Maybe it fell through the crack. But there's a little card that just talks about Easter. And I believe that we have an opportunity over the next two weeks here to reach out to people around us that maybe normally wouldn't say yes to going to church, but this time of year, in this season, in this moment, they might. And I think that that's a, that's a good responsibility for us to take on. You know, and this, this still isn't even fully stepping back into us introducing them to God. This is more of us building a mat for our friend and bringing them to Jesus, like what happens in the Gospels. All right, so here, here's what I'd say. In keeping with our purposes from God, I want to challenge you to personally invite at least one person to Easter Sunday service. All right, don't psych yourself out about it. Pray about it. If God does begin to put someone specific on your heart, I want to encourage you by saying, more than likely, if God puts them on your heart, he is already working on theirs. So you may get someone on your heart, you may say, there's no way they'd say yes. Don't be so sure. Because maybe God is moving in them in a way that hasn't happened before. And they're just waiting for someone to actually extend the invitation and say, hey, I'll even save you a seat. Come sit next to me. You don't have to sit by yourself. So I want to challenge you as you leave today to grab this card, put it in your pocket, maybe spend some time praying. Maybe God will give you someone specific. Maybe you just need to keep it in your pocket for the next two weeks. Well, hopefully it leaves before the end of two weeks. But maybe in a moment, God is going to say right now, right here, this is it. And you don't need a card to invite somebody. But we're just trying to make this in a way that, that is easier where we can say, okay, what, what can I do? How can I get someone details, information? I want to close with some prayer. But I want us to hopefully today walk out of here with a new way of looking at what our purpose in life is. And hopefully that new way of looking at it relieves some stress that maybe was not necessary in the first place. Jesus, we thank you that you do still work in our lives. You do still lead us. 
speak to us, guide us. And that may look like different ways for every single person in this room. God, I pray for the people in the room that feel like that has not happened before. God, I pray that this week, Lord, that maybe in a totally different way than they ever expected, God, that they would encounter you. And that they would feel you leading them, nudging them, guiding them, speaking to them, whatever that would look like. And God, we pray, Lord, that in this season, not just at our church, but Lord, just the greater church, Lord, through all of Long Prairie with First Baptist and American Lutheran and Trinity and Lord, the Catholic Church and just every single one of these, Lord, that that people would be walking through the doors and finding you and starting a relationship with you. God, that we would see new life this Easter season. God, as we celebrate the, the new life that you gave. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.